and welcome to The Circle Opens, a podcast devoted to a chapter-by-chapter review of Stephen King's The Stand. If you need an affordable source for Stephen King books, movies, collectibles, and more, make sure to visit Secondhand Bookery at secondhandbookery.etsy.com. Listeners of this podcast can use the coupon code THECIRCLE for 20% off their order at any time, and there's always shipping, free shipping, to the United States. So check out Secondhand Bookery at secondhandbookery.etsy.com. Welcome back, everybody. I hope everybody's had a fabulous week, and thank you again for joining me this Saturday on our journey through the sand. I have just a little bit of news um, in the world of Stephen King, one being that In the Tall Grass dropped on Friday, yesterday, the 4th, on Netflix. And In the Tall Grass being the collaboration between King and Joe Hill. So I read the novella, and my full review of that is up at thecircleopens.com. But I did like it. I thought it was very um, atmospheric. It was spooky. I felt kind of claustrophobic reading it. (laughs) I didn't think that uh, grass could be scary, but here we are. Um, And I liked the novella a lot. It had it kind of goes off the rails a little. Um, it gets weird. It gets really gross. <laughs> and I don't know if I can actually watch some. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how they've adapted it. I'm not sure if they're sticking to the ending of the novella. Will I don't know if that's going to translate very well on TV. But I'm going to watch the movie on Netflix soon. So I'm going to see uh, what changes they've made. Um, But if you guys have watched it, let me know what you think. I'm excited to see it. I love Patrick Wilson, and I think I, I think I might have um, gushed about him last episode or episode before that. I don't know. I'm rambling. So yes, let me know if you guys have watched In the Tall Grass. Let me know what you think about it. And the new season of Castle Rock will premiere on October 23rd, and there was a new trailer released. And the Castle Rock Instagram page had a really fun video that they posted. I just happened to be on Instagram last night when their the Castle Rock Instagram page went live. So I just kind of pulled it up to see what was going on. And it's essentially, it was a car driving at night through a very long winding road. Um, a lot of spooky stuff begins to happen. There's a lot of radio interference, um, people walking along the dark, the dark, uh, the road, um, some jump scares, to be honest with you. I jumped a couple times, but It's essentially a road trip through the King universe, and it was really fun. Once I realized what they were doing, it was really fun to try to pick out all the King references, Um, and you're going to like where the car ends up. So if you guys can find that online, I would definitely give it a watch, and I'm excited to see season two. I'm excited to see Lizzie Kaplan take on Annie Wilkes, and I'm definitely excited to see Annie Wilkes in Castle Rock, of all places. Um, the other non-stand related news that I have is King's new novel, If It Bleeds, is going to be out May 5th. I think it was May 5th of next year. Um, the covers were revealed this week. Um, I like both of the covers. The, the U.S. cover is orange with a cat face and the U.K. version is white and it it has like a silhouette, a shadow of a man. It kind of looks like he's, it looks like he's doing the moonwalk, to be honest with you. (laughs) Um, But I'm excited. Apparently this is going to be, it's not a full length novel. This is uh, four novellas in the book. And I'm really excited. I love his novellas. I think uh, novellas and short stories are King's strength. Um, 
So I'm excited. We have a long time to wait for that one, but I say that now, and before you know it, it's going to be May. Um, so the other, the piece of news that I have for the stand is we have some more casting news. And this week it was announced um, that Nat Wolf will be playing Lloyd Henried. And Lloyd, as you guys know, is the petty criminal who got arrested after a crime spree with his uh, partner in crime, Poke Freeman. Poke, who got killed several chapters ago. And I think this is really interesting casting. Um, I like Nat Wolf a lot. I've seen him in a few movies. um, And I actually wanted to see, I think he has a movie coming out called Semper Fi. And he also has a movie, I think, coming out with Alexander Skarsgård. And I cannot remember what the name of it is off the top of my head. Um, I'm sure if you Google it, you can figure it out. Um, but he was actually one of my choices for Nick Andros. He just kind of had that um, young, innocent look about him. So this is like, to me, this is very interesting. Um, Nat starred in Josh Boone's directorial debut, Stuck in Love, which actually is a pretty great movie. I watched it a few years ago when I was homesick, and I just loved it. It has uh, Greg Kinnear, Jennifer Connelly, um, uh, I think it's Lily Collins is in it as well. And King, Stephen King, actually has a small um, cameo over the phone, which was great. And if you guys, if you see that um, on TV or you see it on streaming or, you know, I wanted to say a video store, but <laughs> that will date me. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, if you guys see Stuck in Love, uh, you should pick it up. You should give it a watch. It's pretty good. Wolf was also in The Fault in Our Stars. Um, that was a movie many, many years ago with Shailene Woodley and Ansel Egort. I can never say his name properly, but Boone also directed that. I really liked that movie too. I cried like a baby. And Nat Wolf was pretty great in that. And I also saw Wolf in Paper Towns. I'm not going to go through all the movies I've seen Nat Wolf in, but he always seems to play kind of, um, I don't know, just like a kind of nice guy. So Lloyd Henry is not a nice guy. And uh, I'm really curious to see what uh, Wolf brings to the role. And I know many, many years ago, when Boone first became attached to the project and they were talking about making it into a theatrical release or multiple movies, I had seen several articles that uh, rumored Nat Wolf was going to have a role in the in the movies. So I'm glad to see that uh, even in 2019, um, it's come full circle and he's still going to be in the movie, especially as somebody that I would have never guessed he would play Lloyd. So I'm excited for this. Um, that's been it, I think, for the stand. I hope you guys are following Josh Boone's Instagram because he's posting some really fun um, behind the scenes inside look uh, inside looks to the, the making of the stand. So if you guys are on Instagram, give him a follow. If you're not, um, just pop over there and kind of have a look. It's really fun. So we're going to go ahead and get into the to this week's episode. Um, Last week for the recap for chapter 22, uh, we went back to General Starkey and Major Len Creighton. Starkey had been relieved of his duties and uh, Creighton was going to take over. And Starkey gave Creighton one more order. And that was essentially to get a hold of this gentleman named Jack Cleveland, tell Cleveland that Rome has fallen and uh, his people overseas who have vials of Project Blue were to release them as to cover up uh, America's role in this disaster. 
And then Starkey drove to the biological weapons facility where it all began and um, saved poor Frank Bruce from the soup and killed himself. So not a cheerful uh, chapter, but you know what? We haven't really had any cheerful chapters. That's not what this book is about. So that was chapter 22. And we're going to jump in here to chapter 23. And I apologize in advance. I'm going to quote quite a bit of this chapter because it's just fascinating. And King really, um, his descriptions are too good to just ignore and just give a quick brief briefing of them. So uh, chapter 23 begins, uh, quote, Randall Flagg, the dark man, strode south on US-51, listening to the night sounds that pressed close on both sides of this narrow road that would take him sooner or later out of Idaho and into Nevada. From Nevada, he might go anywhere. From New Orleans to Nogales, to Port- from Portland, Oregon to Portland, Maine, it was his country, and none knew or loved it better. He knew where the roads went, and he walked them at night. Now, an hour before dawn, he was somewhere between Grasmere and Riddle, west of Twin Falls, still north of the Duck Valley Reservation that spreads across two states. And wasn't it fine? So immediately, King gives us his name, Randall Flagg, and he tells us that he is the Dark Man. He's a wanderer with no destination in mind. He goes where opportunity leads. And he is described as a tall man of no age in faded pig jeans and a denim jacket. His pockets are full of pamphlets for all seasons, rhetoric for all reasons. Things like the dangers of atomic power plants, the role played by international Jewish cartel in the overthrow of friendly governments, the CIA contra cocaine connection, um, the code of the Klan, etc., and he has a button on each breast of his jacket. One is a yellow-faced, um, a yellow smiley face, and the other is a pig wearing a policeman's cap that says, How's your pork? in red lettering designed to look like blood. And Flag carries a Boy Scout knapsack. It's shown that cars that pass him on the road, um, the drivers feel a chill as if they've driven through a cold pocket. And sleeping passengers are shifting uneasily in their sleep. There was a dark hilarity in his face, and perhaps in his heart too, you would think. And you would be right. It was the face of a hatefully happy man. A face that radiated a horrible, handsome warmth. A face to make water glasses shatter in the hands of tired truck stop waitresses. To make small children crash their trikes into board fences and then run wailing to their mommies with stake-shaped splinters sticking out of their knees. It was a face guaranteed to make barroom arguments over batting averages turn bloody. So we have Flag right now. He's walking toward Nevada. And it says that he walks all night and he sleeps all day. And of course, you know, your first thought is, oh, he's a vampire. But he's not. He's not a vampire. But he does like to read as he cooks his dinner over a campfire. Um, And he will read porn novels. He'll read Hitler's Manifesto. He'll read a comic book. Um, Flag does not hold discrimination towards the written word. Anything will do. So right now he is headed for Mountain City, where a man named Christopher Bradenton would be waiting for him with a clean car and some papers. And then Flag, um, he's going to be seeking out any opportunity to spread his darkness. And quote, he was a clot looking for a place to happen, 
a splinter of bone hunting a soft organ to puncture, a lonely lunatic cell looking for a mate. They would set up housekeeping and raise themselves a cozy little malignant tumor. I just, (laughs) it's so morbid, but God, I love how King describes Flag in this chapter. It's just every possible disturbing description that King could possibly think of in his brain, he just shoved into chapter 23. And we get a sense of how Flag um, affects people. We see how he influences them with his mere presence. He intensifies hate and aggressiveness and violence. Um, Women who choose to go to bed with him, they come away from it feeling cold, like they might never be warm again. And Christopher Bradenton knew Flagg as Richard Fry. Bradenton is described as a conductor of an underground railway system by which fugitives moved. And Bradenton had money. He occasionally taught university classes. Um, He travels to high schools to discuss poetry. He also has a lot of money. And Bradenton was released from a college uh, once for his ties to a radical group. And soon one radical group became another, became another, and soon he was kind of just swallowed up by them. And so with Flag, we get, um, he has several aliases, okay? In New York, he was Robert Frank, Frank. He claimed to be a black man, despite having light skin, and people believed him. Nobody questioned it. And in New York, he was a veteran of Vietnam who killed six cops in New York and in New Jersey. In Georgia, he was Ramsey Forrest, a descendant of Nathan Bedford Forrest, who had been a general in the Confederate Army during the Civil War. And he had also been a leader of the KKK. So as Ramsey Forrest, he participated in um, sexual assault, castration, the burning down of a poor African-American town. And that was the 60s. Flagg doesn't remember much of what happened to him before that. Although he knows he was originally from Nebraska, shout out to Nick Andros, and he had gone to high school with um, Charles Starkweather. And Charles Starkweather is a real person. Um, Actually, Nathan Bedford Forrest was a real person. But Charles Starkweather, uh, he killed like 11 people in Nebraska and Wyoming in, I think, 57 and 58. And so Flagg remembers the civil rights marches of the 60s better, Um, even mostly the bad parts of them, because those are the parts that he got off on. But he remembers um, being in New Orleans in the 60s, meeting um, Mr. Oswald, who, of course, is referencing Lee Harvey Oswald. And Oswald was handing out pamphlets advising America to leave Cuba alone, which he actually did in real life. And Flagg still has a couple of those pamphlets in his pockets. They're very old and worn, but he carries them with him. Flagg is a busy fellow. Uh, He marched. He wrote questions for people in power who came to lecture. Questions that he did not ask, but uh, questions that were made to embarrass these people um, who had come there to lecture, made them flee the podium. And Flagg never spoke at rallies because microphones would blare with feedback if he tried. But he did write speeches for those who spoke. And a lot of those speeches uh, would end up in riots and violent demonstrations. In the early 70s, Flagg was acquainted with Donald DeFreeze. 
Donald DeFreeze was the man who orchestrated the kidnapping of the heiress, Patty Hearst. And kind of a little throwback, if you guys remember from the very first episode of this podcast, when I went over the history of The Stand and how King came to write it, he was originally working on a book about uh, Patty Hearst, um, thinking that the only way to really tell her story would be to do it in a novel. And it wasn't working out for him, so eventually he came. um, That all led to him starting The Stand. But it's kind of fun that he put this little uh, nugget of uh, Flagg's history in here about Patty Hearst and Donald DeFries. Basically, Flagg is the one who gave DeFries the idea, A, to kidnap Patty, and B, not to ask for ransom, but to essentially manipulate Patty and indoctrinate her into the SLA. It says... Quote, he had left the small Los Angeles house where DeFreeze and the others had fried not 20 minutes before the police moved in. He slunk away up the street, his bulging and dusty boots clocking on the pavement, a fiery grin on his face that made mothers grab up their children and pull them into the house, a grin that made pregnant women feel premature labor pains. And later, when a few tattered remnants of the group were swept up, All they knew was there had been someone else associated with the group, maybe someone important, maybe a hanger-on, a man of no age, a man called the walking dude, or sometimes the boogeyman. So Flagg seems to be able to immerse himself in certain situations, and then he can just walk away from it as it goes up in flames. He's able to walk away, and while the people involved might have a vague memory of him, They won't be able to remember his name. They won't be able to remember what his involvement really was. Was he important? They don't remember. Was he just kind of a hanging around, you know, riding the train? They don't remember. And now Flag is alone again, walking towards Nevada, and he's feeling pretty happy because something is coming. He could taste it, a sooty hot taste, as if God was planning a cookout. And all of civilization was going to be the barbecue. That is one of my favorite quotes in this entire book. God was planning a cookout and all of civilization was going to be the barbecue. I can't think of a better description of what is happening with Captain Trips than that. Um, Sure, it's coming from the villain, but it's just disturbing and really puts a mental image in your head. And uh, I just, uh, I love it. Every time I read it, I just laugh. So because times are changing, Flag is about to be born for a second time. And it's almost time for that rebirth because now Flag can do magic. And in the middle of the road, Flag lifts his face to the sky and his body lifts itself from the ground several feet into the air The dust blows around him, um, and then the sun begins to rise, and he lowers himself. Because it's not time yet, although it will be soon. It says, He began to walk again, grinning, now looking for a place to lay up for the day. The time was soon, and that was enough to know for now. So this is an incredible chapter, and as I was reading it to write down my notes for this, um, I realized it's not as long as I always think it is. When I'm reading it, I think because I read it so slow as to take in every little bit of information and description about Flag and his past, it just seems to take a lot longer. But today I was like, 
okay, well, that was only a couple pages, a few pages, but it's an incredible chapter. It's introducing our main antagonist, our villain, Randall Flagg. He is the dark man, the walking dude, the boogeyman. He has been alive for some time, but he's described it having as having no age. He is handsome. He's charismatic. He's influential and he's manipulative. He can't remember much about his life before the 60s, but for the fact that he was from Nebraska. And this touches on the fact that he is about to be reborn for the second time, which it mentions towards the end of the chapter. And if he's being reborn, um, he's it sounds like he's being reborn whenever the times change. And the 60s were definitely a moment in history when the tide began to turn and things began to shift and progress. Um, he remembers high school and that's where he attended classes with a killer, but he doesn't remember anything before that. So was he reborn about that age? Um, you know, he remembers the civil rights movement. He remembers killing police officers, joining the KKK and flag is known by different names, depending on where he is. And he also joined in on demonstrations and marches. He wrote violence inducing speeches. Um, he influenced those that it says he influenced those taught to hate so well that their hate showed on their faces. He makes people uneasy. And I mean, they even mentioned, you know, he can trigger premature labor pains just by smiling at a woman. And those who pass him in a car as he's walking along the street, they feel the chill of him. And Flag has been present in a lot of the dark moments in history, at least since the 60s, because it doesn't go any further back. He met Lee Harvey Oswald, who was still down south, passing up pamphlets about Cuba. And it doesn't say, but, you know, maybe Flagg influenced Oswald to assassinate Kennedy. Did he motivate uh, Charles Starkweather's killing spree? He's the one who suggests to Donald DeFries to kidnap Patty Hearst. And he, um, well, I can't say he did it, but they brainwash her into joining them rather than simply holding her for ransom. And whether or not Hearst was really brainwashed is still up for debate, I guess. Um, but her case is an interesting one about Stockholm Syndrome, at least. And Flagg was there during the shootout between the police and DeFries, which actually really happened. And um, Flagg walked away from the entire mess when the house went up in flames, taking DeFries and the others with it, which also really happened. And Flagg seems to float from place to place, uh, wherever opportunity for chaos reveals itself. And he takes full advantage of it. And I feel like he's something akin to, this is going to sound nerdy, but he's, he feels like something akin to Wormtongue from Lord of the Rings. He is always there whispering in the ear of those who might take that extra step and cause bloodshed. He doesn't seem to get his own hands dirty very often. Um, it says that he's killed cops and assaulted women, but it seems like he takes a back seat. Um, he's the one he's writing the speeches, but he's not giving them. He's writing the questions, but he's not asking them. Um, when he makes the suggestions and the people around him take those suggestions um, to fruition, that is when things implode and he's gone. He's moving on to the next thing. So now Flag knows that something is coming. Um, a new opportunity. God is planning a barbecue of civilization. And his transfiguration is almost at hand. Flag feels that rebirth approaching. 
I don't know if that means he'll forget his life from the 60s on um, because he can't remember his time prior to that. So will all of that be washed away when he's quote unquote reborn? Um, I'm not sure. I don't know, but we're going to find out. And now something has happened to him that he didn't have before. He can do magic. And we're not shown much in terms of what he can do, but we know he can levitate. And what or who gave him this magic, this power? Is he the only one um, capable of doing it? What will his role be as Captain Tripp spreads across the country and takes with it most of the population? Whatever it is, Flag seems very ready for it, and he seems to be anticipating it. So he's definitely going to harbor power. And given his history, he has the capability of turning what is already a bad situation into something much worse. But he seems to be in no hurry. He's willing to wait. And it doesn't sound like he's going to have to wait very long. And there's someone else who doesn't have much time left. Next week in Chapter 24, we're going to um, go back to poor Lloyd Henry who is finding out that prison kind of sucks and there's a very real chance that he's going to see the death penalty for his crime spree. And that's it for this episode. Um, I would love to hear what you guys think. I always do. You can shoot me a line at thecirclecloses at gmail.com or find me on social media at The Circle Opens. And I really like this chapter. And I know I say that about every chapter, but I love these introductions to our characters, and this is actually a chapter that introduces a supernatural aspect to the story. Uh, we already got it in the dreams a little bit um, with Nick and Stu, but this is actual levitating magic, and uh, we're going to find out soon what else uh, Randall Flagg is capable of doing. Um, if you are enjoying the podcast, you can leave me a rating and or review on iTunes or any platform that you listen to the podcast on. And that's really it. My notes have ended there. And if I keep going, you guys are going to listen to me talk about ridiculous things for the next 10 minutes. So I'm going to let you go. But M-O-O-N, that spells. See you next week.